Well, good morning. Everybody doing well this morning? All right, cool, cool. Well, this morning is going to be a little bit different. As many of you know, we are going to have a little bit of a panel discussion this morning. We've been talking about um, hot topics. We've been talking about um, whoop, some of the kind of elephants in the room in culture for the last month or so. And we're interrupting our series for just a little bit to have a conversation around these. So this morning, we have Caroline Spearman, we have Chelsea Arrington, we have Phil joining me up here on stage. And we're just going to kind of have a discussion based on some questions. So if you guys want to come on up here and join me, everybody welcome. Yeah. Now, we've got a few questions that we have compiled over the last couple of weeks that have been submitted online. And then we're also um, up on the screen, you are going to see, there you go, you can take that. Um, you're going to, up on the screen, you're going to see a link um, that is, that you can go to and you can submit questions anonymously um, right here in the middle of the service. If we have time, we're going to get to whatever questions that we can this morning. So we want this to be kind of a family conversation, a little bit of a discussion. Um, there's, we've got a smaller crowd here this morning. This actually is beautiful for a conversation like this because it allows us to be a little bit more intimate in this discussion. Uh, so here's what I'm going to say. If you have a question this morning and you don't care if it's anonymous or not, feel free to raise your hand. And we'll open this up. Um, you can just ask a question or you can submit it online. I've got the questions right here, so I'm going to be seeing things as they're submitted. Um, or you can just raise your hand and we'll have kind of a family discussion this morning. How's that sound? We're I'm super excited about this because we've got a lot of perspectives represented here. We've got ministry. Um, we've got a lot of experience working with people and teaching with the Bible in Phil. We've got worship in Carolina. We have a counselor in Chelsea. And then you're stuck with me up here as well reading the questions. Uh, so this is going to be a great, uh, I think it's going to be a great morning. And we're going to have a really well-rounded perspective um, on some questions relating to these topics. So once again, ask away. Um, there's no Whatever question you have, whatever, whatever perspective, whatever, something, whatever thing you want a perspective on this morning, um, let's ask those questions. Before we do that, let's pray. Jesus, uh, we, thank you that, um, we thank you that this is a community where we value family and we value authenticity. We value um, the ability to discuss and to share and to deal with difficult topics. Uh, God, we thank you that your word um, create space. We thank you that there's a whole book in your word, Proverbs, that talks about seeking wisdom and seeking counsel. And this morning, let this be um, a time set aside for us to seek wisdom and seek counsel, seek your perspective, um, and to grow. Bless our conversation this morning. And for those of us who are up here um, in front, let us be in tune with your Holy Spirit. Um, God, we ask that you would inhibit anything that is not from you, that if an idea or a thought slips out that's not faithful to your word, that it would be forgotten, that it would fall to the ground. Um, we love you, Lord. We praise you. Amen. All right. Let me. All right, so the first question that we're going to deal with this morning, <clears throat> and for you guys, whoever has a thought, um, feel free to pass this microphone around and jump in. Um, and if we're asking a question, if we're discussing something, you guys want more clarification, feel free to just raise your hand. All right. I feel like this was a little bit dead right now. Everybody good? Everybody understand? All right. This is going to be kind of a family conversation. So say, I'm down with that if you agree. I'm down with 
Yeah, that was a lot to have an audience say at one time, but it's all right. Um, all right, so here's the first question um, to get the conversation going. How do I deal with temptation when temptation's all around me? How do I, how do I address temptation that's common in my life, feels like it's around me all the time? Um, what do I do? Follow Jesus in that scenario. <laughs> sure, if you would like to. That it doesn't, it doesn't always matter if my mic's on or not. Um, but I naturally will talk really quietly. Tanner said it matters a little bit. Um, so, yes, um, I would say, can you read the question one more time just so I'm back yes, on track? Yes, absolutely. How do I deal with temptation when it's around me all the time? Yes. Um, this is one of those things, and I think a lot of times, just throwing this on the table, I think a lot of times when we think about temptation, it's sexual temptation. Um, I think that's what we think about being all around us all the time. Um, there's like this shift in season, especially in the South, where it's like all of a sudden people have a lot less clothing on. And it's like, whoa, that's just everywhere all the time. But I think that um, temptation is a lot more than that. I think that temptation is, um, it can be really anything that the enemy uses to distract us from the Lord. Um, I think for some people that's, um, that can be uh, food. For some people, that could be um, a person that's in their life. I think for somebody that could be, um, I think a lot of times that is sexual temptation, but it could also be um, anything that's pulling us away, you know, some sort of addiction that's just kind of drawing us back in. But I think that in the realm of how do I deal with this? How do I handle this constant offense, that's the word that was coming to my mind, um, is um, awareness of it, I feel like, is the very first thing. You know, I have to be almost on guard, so I have this um, mental picture in my mind of this battle, almost, where I need to be aware that it's coming. I need to be aware that it's out there. I need to be aware that um, this might be a, a struggle, this might be a personal struggle, and what that looks like, and when I'm aware of it, I can be more in tune with um, the Lord speaking freedom from that in my life, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Okay, I want you to picture like the nastiest, dirtiest parking lot puddle at a truck stop, okay? It's had like tractor trailers driving through it all day long, and it's just nasty, okay? Right, now I want you to picture sitting in that um, <laughs> and just really enjoying yourself, okay? Um, and now just imagine, now just imagine every time you turn on the TV, there's like celebrities sitting in truck stop mud puddles, and, uh, and there's programs that um, you know, go around the country and they take pictures of different puddles <laughs> at different truck stops to compare which ones are better than others. And everyone is screaming that sitting in truck stop mud puddles is the best thing ever. <laughs> um, and now I want you to picture a jacuzzi um, that is clean and taken care of and comfortable. And 
The struggle is, is the world screams at us that sin is better and sin is comfortable and sin is right. And everybody is, about, you know, is, is just enjoying the sin. And I'm going to call that the mud puddle at a truck stop. And following Jesus is the jacuzzi. <laughs> the reality is, is that we're never robbed when we do the right thing. Um, it's always better mm-hmm. um, for us to do, to follow Jesus. It's just really tempting to follow the world when it's telling us what's better and saying, no, mud puddles are better. Mud puddles are better. Mm-hmm. We know jacuzzis are better than truck stop mud puddles, right? And it's... <laughs> It's the same about sin, and yet we struggle. But that's I try to rem- I try to remember that when I feel like a temptation to sin is just kind of like okay, that is actually less for me than if I if I draw near to Jesus, right? Yeah, yeah I'll just say too, kind of going off of what Chelsea was saying about like being aware of it first. Um, I think it's in Psalms where it talks about um, like store up God's word in your heart. And so that is kind of like the first thing that comes to mind for me, like in moments where I may feel tempted um, by fear or just doubt in um, like who the Lord says I am, just remembering to like store up his word in my heart for moments like that where I can just go back to, you know, what does God's word say about this or what does the Lord say about who I am and who he is and remembering um, God's nature in those moments I think is helpful where you feel tempted by, you know, whatever it may be um, to, yeah, to fight that. And I think it's a good reminder, too, that Jesus was tempted, that he went through the same thing, and he came and experienced that. And so now we have um, the power of Jesus, like, living in us um, because he experienced the same things. And so now we can lean into that, that power through the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's all of those were great answers. There are a couple things that I just want to highlight and make sure we're seeing how this picture goes together. Um, and so first off, Chelsea, you mentioned that um, when, we think of, when we think of temptation, we often think of lust. We think of sexual sin. Um, but the ability to acknowledge that there are all different types, types of sin and to see what that sin actually is, to see how gossip tears apart relationships, and that's just as deadly as lust, you know, um, to, to acknowledge that and to acknowledge what sin is, exactly what Phil was saying, that this is, this is a devastating thing. It's dangerous. It makes you sick. Um, and to acknowledge the truth about who's in us. Paul wrote that there is no temptation that will come before you that's not common to man, and Christ is faithful to provide an exit, to provide a way out of that. So in my, my life, faith has been the most important thing in overcoming sin. And that might seem like a cheesy answer, but here's what I mean by that. When I actually believe that sin is a mud puddle, and when I actually believe that I'm not enslaved to it, then I actually start to not give in to it. Does that make sense? Everything's going to come down to faith. Do I believe that this is bad for me, or do I believe that this is good for me? And if I do, do I actually believe that I'm not a slave to it? Yeah. All right, let's, the second question, I'm really excited about this next question. Um, how do I talk to friends or family who have what I believe are ungodly views on maybe some of these elephants in the room, things like race or things like sexuality. How do I have a discussion when there's tension around those issues? Who wants to go first in this, this softball of a question? I can go first again. All I've right. got to stop saving the microphone at the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I've 
this is very personal for mm -hmm. me, um, just being really honest. So typically, Jay and I go with our family, and we eat lunch with my grandparents on Sunday after church. And um, my family, the conversations that we have often come back to things that make Jay and I really uncomfortable at some point. And more often than not, one of us will leave the room and just kind of think about what we're going to say. Or <laughs> more, more often than not, we are actually thinking about it after we've left and then don't have to do anything <laughs> about it. Um, but this is really challenging um, because um, I, think, I think it's really challenging not only because of the topic, but also because I'm still in process. Mm. Um, I am still breaking down belief systems that are not of the Lord that were intentionally or unintentionally ingrained from my childhood. And so <clears throat> I think that in this process of each of us coming to learn biblically how the Lord, you know, what are the godly views mm -hmm. on things like race and sexuality, um, in that process I think that, I don't think this is a coincidence, but as I was thinking about this morning, um, Exodus 34, where the Lord passes by Moses and speaks of who he is, just this display of his character has just been replaying in my mind. Um, Jack mentioned it at the end of worship, and then Caroline just mentioned, you know, thinking about God's character. But we know that he is gracious and merciful. He is slow to anger. Um, abounding in love, and I think that for me, that is kind of the the ground of knowing the foundation of knowing how I am in process and knowing how other people are in process too. Mm -hmm. And so um, I want to be um, when specifically I have things that are it's very clear that this is not something that's of the Lord. I need to be very uh, conscious of the Lord speaking and not myself speaking um, to be able to say, to be able to be merciful and gracious in my speech, slow to anger, abounding in love so that there's um, only the Lord's words that are going to come. Because um, they're, that's a really, it's a really, those are really emotional topics. Those are really, we're very, um, those are not just things we think one way or the other on. Those are pretty, pretty deep. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think that that, for me, is something that the Lord's made more clear recently. Um, I think the question's interesting, the way it's worded, saying, like, what do you do when friend, like close friends or family disagrees with you on these topics? Because as I was thinking about it, um, it's a lot more difficult for me when I disagree with someone I'm really close to <laughs> than just, like, a coworker or someone that I may just, you know, come in contact with or see on social media. It's harder to deal with it, I think, when it's someone that you love and really care about um, and maybe believe a lot of good things about, but it's hard when you disagree on something that you do care really, really deeply about. Um, and so I think it's important when you, uh, when you go into those conversations, like Chelsea was saying, just like really asking the Lord to um, align your heart with the Holy Spirit in those moments and... I think if you're approaching any of those conversations in anger or bitterness or, you know, through any of that, then you probably just shouldn't be having the conversation because <laughs> I don't think that that's um, what the Lord would have that conversation look like. So I think being in, you know, if you're 
at a family lunch or dinner or whatever, and um, that kind of conversation uh, comes up, I think it's important just to continually ask the Holy Spirit to align your heart with his to know how to respond to people in love and not anger. I think that, you know, a really important thing is recognizing that you are only responsible for your beliefs and you yeah. are only responsible for your actions. You're not responsible for what other people believe or what other people's convictions are and if they differ from you. Sometimes as Christians, we can get in this thing where we feel like we've got to preach constantly to everybody about what's right and wrong. <laughs> we wouldn't like it very much if they were in our house in private preaching at us every five minutes about what we were doing wrong um, because we all do um, sin and fall short, right? As Romans says, and so my encouragement there from experience is just, you know, you, you may have somebody in your family that is making decisions you don't agree with. Maybe it's, you know, their sexual identity or it's their politics or it's their whatever. You, you, don't, you don't need to preach over and over again. If somebody knows what your convictions are, you're probably good. You just need to live like Jesus now, right? You just, you need to live the life of a believer so that what you believe matters to them. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's not your burden to convince anyone to change their opinion, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, you don't have to shove your kids away. You don't have to push your parents away. You don't have to defriend somebody. Um, you can recognize the humanity in everyone around you and have the attitude of grace like Jesus had um, towards others. And so a lot of that comes from, as a believer, taking that burden off of your shoulders. The Bible does not teach that it's your job to change everyone's mind. The Bible teaches that we live like Jesus around everyone, right? Yeah, yeah that, I think that's, the life of Jesus is such a beautiful example of this, right? Jesus is continually in confrontation. But one of the things that we don't talk about about the Pharisees in Jesus' life is that they're around him all the time. They're following him around. Jesus was in relationship with Pharisees, right? Like they were actually with him a lot, right? Even though there was confrontation. Um, and Jesus behaves very differently to Pharisees who should know better than he does to lost people who don't know better, right? So if, I'm, if there's someone that doesn't know Jesus and I disagree with them, the goal is Jesus, not for me to be right. Yeah. Right? That's a big there's a big difference. But if I'm talking with someone who knows Jesus and they are um, like holding what I believe is a sinful or harmful belief system, then I want to gently, cr in a Christ-like manner, speak the truth to that person. But we d we rebuke other Christians in love who are not representing Christ well, right? But it. Scripture says it's the Lord's kindness that brings us to repentance, right? Um, so Jesus is the goal if someone doesn't know Jesus, and the Holy Spirit convicts, right? Um, this is, I want to read a verse that came to my mind as we were talking, and as I was thinking about this question, um, in 1 Peter chapter 3, 15, it says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. So in other words, the, the idea here is that live a life that's so loving that when people talk bad about your faith, that it's, it makes them look bad. 
right? Like our lives proclaim the truth of what we believe. Um, our, yeah, we can belabor that point. I can keep going. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Along with that. Absolutely. Um, just, just real quick, okay? Like sometimes when you're talking to someone and, and, and you express a point of view they disagree with, they say something like, well, I think you're just an ignorant, stupid, fat, ugly, you know, um, I just really, really disagree with you. You're so wrong, right? You know how to handle that situation? Say, okay. All right. Like you, you totally defuse it. You take the satisfaction mm-hmm. completely out of it. And now when that person doesn't have to argue with you, they have to argue with themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and Because the, they're not going to give in in your presence, right? So when somebody just slanders you, maliciously talks about you, doesn't this sound like something the Bible says? <laughs> um, just say, hey, I think you're completely wrong. Just say, okay. It's been great having coffee with you. What's your favorite football team? <laughs> right? And just, just you know, just because they have to decide, yeah. you know? Yeah. Awesome. Uh, well, I want to get to some of the questions that have been submitted. Yeah, yeah. My wife told me not to talk too much, so I'm not talking anymore after this one. <laughs> um, no, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll just be very candid uh, with you. I grew up with a porn addiction. Um, I had it in my home. Um, not in my home, okay? My parents didn't do this, but I had friends, and I experienced things with friends like many of you did. And uh, I don't remember a life without uh, sexual memory of pictures and things that happened, um, And so that is a temptation for me. Um, So I am a grown man uh, with an iPhone that has parental controls on it um, that my wife has the password to Um, because I don't want to have to have that temptation. Um, So that's a a practical um, thing that I do in an area of my life just to keep myself, you know, in line because the weak moments come. You know, everything goes wrong one day. We all default to the sin struggle that we deal with, mm-hmm. you know, and that those filters give me a seatbelt in those mm-hmm. times. So. And I think, too, having, um, like, close friends or a family member that you trust and that you can go to in, when you're in your lowest points. Like, for me, I struggle a lot with anxiety and depression, and so it's easy for me to just want to numb out in moments where, like, maybe that's turning the TV on or, you know, doing something other than facing what I'm feeling or what I'm actually going through. And so having friends like Chelsea (laughs) or my husband who I know that when I'm at my lowest point and when I'm feeling really tempted to just dwell in, um, you know, whatever I'm feeling, that I can go to them and ask for help and ask for them to pray over me. So I think that's really important, too, having people in your life that you really trust. Kind of the broader scope of both of those things is just um, I love talking about boundaries with people. Just I think a lot of times that's super important in the context of relationships. But I think that that is, you know, in the context of the things we have access to, you know, in our phones, in our homes, 
um, in our workplaces and then the people that we're around, you know, the company that we keep. Um, all of these things have influence in our lives. And so how much influence do we let them have? And so we, you know, can, I think it has to be a really conscious decision that we have um, with ourselves and with other people to what Caroline was saying, those boundaries that we set. Yeah, um, I would just add to that. Um, I think this has already been said, but everybody needs somebody who knows everything about them. Everybody does not need to know everything about you. 98% of people do not need to know most things about you. You need one person who loves Jesus and loves you, who knows everything about you. And when I say everything, I mean that you're tempted, what you're tempted by, when you're tempted, what it looks like. Like, they need to know all of it, right? Uh, I like Phil. You know, my wife has the password, and she gets an email with a report of what I look at on my phone. Accountability is important. Um, and having somebody that knows everything. There's nothing more healing that you will experience in the community of faith than when you fail and someone looks at you and says, I love you enough to tell you that this is killing you, <laughs> and I love you enough to still hang out with you anyway. Right? You need someone who you know actually loves you. And if, if that friend that knows everything won't actually tell you that it's killing you, then that's not the person who needs to know everything, right? Because they don't really believe that sin's killing you, and it is. It is killing you. That's, that's why God is so mad about sin, because it's killing his kids, right? He's very angry about it, because it's killing his kids. Um, so we need that deep accountability. Everybody needs someone who knows everything, and everything means everything. Everybody needs that. Um, so the next question, let's kind of try to jump through this one quickly um, so we can, um, we have a time for a couple more. This is the last um, pre-written question, and it's what can I do to live out God's mission in my daily life? Maybe if we could kind of give like one sentence or just one quick thought about how do you, what, what, what's one thing you can do? I know this is big idea, small topic, small parameters, but what's one way you can live out the mission of God in your life every day? I kind of already said something similar to this, so I'm sorry I'm repeating myself, but I think it um, goes with this question too, but I think praying continually and continually asking the Lord to align your heart with the Holy Spirit, um, I think that is a very practical um, way to ask the Lord to show you like the mission around you and how he's working um, around you. So I think praying continually and asking for the Holy Spirit's help. <laughs> I think um, just being aware of the mission um, is incredibly important. Actually acknowledging we, we have the Holy Spirit in us. The Holy Spirit's drawing all people to repentance, which means there's something in you that's actively drawing people to Jesus. Um, so be aware of that and pray continually. My youth pastor told me, I remember about four sermons out of the 200 I heard in high school. Um, and, but one of them, he said that one prayer that God will always answer with yes is let me impact someone for the kingdom today. Because mm -hmm. uh, that's the desire of God. He's, um, scripture says that it's God's desire that all men would be saved, that all humans would be saved. Um, so it's his desire. Pray something in line with his will and he'll answer yes. Um, yeah. All right. Um, all right. Next question. How can I best help a friend who's struggling with mental health? <laughs> I'll go first, but I'll be brief because this is like my whole heart. So I love this question. Um, 
I think that, you know, if you know that your friend is struggling with mental health, then you have a level of vulnerability with them already, mm. um, which is a really beautiful thing. So the friendship, the relationship that you already have is part of that process. Um, I think that giving them space to have those conversations um, is really important. Mm -hmm. And I think there are a lot of things that, I think a lot of us struggle with mental health in one way or another. It may not be a diagnosable disorder, um, but I think all of us are more inclined to um, certain, certain thoughts or emotional reluctance or whatever you want to call that. But um, I think that, you know, when you have someone who is intimately aware that you are intimately aware of that for them, that you have a really beautiful relationship already to be able to sit with them in those places, to be able to hold that with them. Um, I think that the other one last thing I'll say about that and I'll stop is just um, be aware of how much you can hold that with them mm. for yourself too. Yeah. Um, I think that God gives us the capacity to do that just as believers that through his Holy Spirit, um, that not all of us have that gifting um, to hold those hardest things, but when you have a friendship where you can hold that together, just be aware of for yourself how much of that you can hold. Mm -hmm. um, I would just say my favorite story in the whole Bible is Luke chapter 5. There's a story about um, these four, four friends that lower a, a paralyzed man on a mat to Jesus. And Jesus says, he looks up at the men and he says it was their faith. He says he saw their faith and said, friend, your sins are forgiven. And then later said, get up and walk. Um, and I would just say, know that you are not Jesus, <laughs> that Jesus is ultimately healing. Um, you are, most of us in this room, probably Chelsea being the exception, are not professional counselors, which means we can be friends and we can be beautiful um, pictures of Jesus, but we cannot provide professional help, and we are not Jesus. Um, so we need to have our focus on what will actually help and to acknowledge what the need actually is and be the friend that points people to where that help actually is. Um, and that is counseling in Jesus. <laughs> everybody needs counseling and everybody needs Jesus. There's a reason why if you're part of the fold, um, we provide free counseling for Chelsea. Everybody needs counseling and everybody needs Jesus. Um, whether you have a diagnosed mental illness or not, everybody needs counseling and everybody needs Jesus. So be the friend pointing, pointing to the need. Um, all right, here's a question um, that just came in. Why do I still struggle with sin if Jesus actually did what the Bible says that he did? Um, we've all been there and prayed for God to take sin temptation out of our lives, right? Have you ever done that? How many of you, he answered your prayer and you haven't been tempted since? Nobody. <laughs> so therein lies the frustration. Um, <clears throat> God is as interested, I'm going to say God is more interested in who you become in this life than he is that you're free from sin and that you never commit it. Um, God, could, God could. He could in a moment snap his finger and make every temptation go away. But God is not after behavior modification. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. He's after your heart, yeah. which yeah. is the process of you and I learning that he is better, mm-hmm. that he yeah. is better. And this life is a training ground. There's a day coming where we won't be tempted anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. When Jesus returns, when we're with him or, you know, when we die, you know, whatever it is that brings us into his presence, um, we won't be tempted anymore. It won't be because we're not allowed to. It'll be because we see Jesus as better and we won't want to. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see all the jacuzzis and we'll forget. <laughs> uh, we'll be like, why did I ever sit in a truck stop mud puddle, right? <laughs> um, because we'll see, as the Bible says, we'll see fully and we'll be fully known. And, um, you know, so God's goal is not to change your behavior. It's to win your heart. And that's why it's still a struggle. And it's a lifelong struggle. Until Jesus returns, nobody will be perfect, uh, fully sanctified would be the theological term for that. Uh, But we are all fully justified uh, by the cross of Christ, which means that when we um, have uh, surrendered our lives to Christ, we are forgiven for the wrong things that we do. Um, the Holy Spirit is in us, compelling us to do the right thing. You know who the most unhappy person in the world is? A rebellious Christian. Yeah. yeah. Right? Lost people who don't know Jesus, they can sin all day long and they don't know the difference. Right? They just know mama told me or daddy told me or that's against the law and I don't want to go to jail. But they don't have the Holy Spirit in them compelling them. If you're a believer and you're going down the wrong road, you're going to be eaten up inside. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit's going to be like, stop, 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 stop. And you're going to feel it. Mm -hmm. And that's God changing your heart Mm -hmm. (laughs) over time. Um, So just realize when that sin struggle is not just automatically gone because you prayed for it. It's not because God doesn't love you. It's because he's trying to win your heart. I think, too, what a beautiful testimony or a beautiful moment that you can look back on when you're in the moment of temptation and you do have access to the power of the Holy Spirit and you avoid that temptation. I think that's a a beautiful moment, too, to be able to look back on, like, yes, I was still tempted, but look what Jesus helped me do Mm -hmm. instead. Um, not that we have to do that to be close to Jesus, but I think that's really beautiful to be able to look back on times in our life where we still may be tempted, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, we were able to choose something better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think what still, um, just to kind of reiterate what, what you mentioned, that I think that the Holy Spirit does whatever's going to bring about the most healing um, in our lives and in our hearts. So I've, I've known people who, like, in a moment have had an addiction broken through prayer. I've also known people that have had to go to therapy and to rehab, right? Because sometimes the Holy Spirit wants to show us the wound and the lie that we believed and walk us through the process of healing so that we don't turn back to that thing, right? And that, and that that's, that's the difference between behavior modification and transformation, right, that Phil was talking about. Um, yeah, and I, w- I would just add that free will is a basic human right. Um, f- free will is part of the human experience, part of what we were created for. Um, so we still have free will and the Holy Spirit doesn't overpower our free will. Um, so the Holy Spirit convicts us and draws us to himself, but the Holy Spirit still allows us to make those decisions. Um, because we, we quit being human when we quit having the ability to make decisions, right? It's a, it's a human right. Yeah. All right. Um, we've got a couple more questions on on here that we can dive into, but are there any questions from the audience that, uh, that anybody has? Anything you want to elaborate on a little bit more? 
awesome. I trust we have answered every question perfectly then. <laughs> um, let's see. All right, I think we've, I think we've hit most of these, um, kind of been reiterated a couple different ways. Um, any, oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> I mean, I, I would say, f first, just practically, don't argue, <laughs> um, at least not, not as much, and not with people you don't know, and, um, and not in entrenchment. I've got, you know, I've got family, I've got uncles that I could argue with stuff all day, and they're not going to change their mind. They're, they're just enjoying the argument, and I'm enjoying the argument at that point. I love to argue. <laughs> um, I, I enjoy it. My wife hates it and stresses her out, so, um, but I love it. Um, that just choosing to not take the, the debate bait, I think, is huge. Um, and engage in conversation with people who, you know, you know well um, and actually wanting to listen. You know, like that's, I have a problem with actually wanting to hear the other person's side. I want to engage in a debate because I want to win, right? But actually deciding, hey, you're not a stranger on the Internet. You're not someone that I know is just trying to bait me into a debate, but you disagree with me. Tell me why. And then shut up and listen to their whole thought, <laughs> you know. Um, so that's something I have to do for sure. Um, I'm not very good at that. Um, and then I would say in terms of heart, just acknowledging that every single one of us is broken and believes lies. And it's really just as likely that I've believed a lie that's got me here than it is they've believed a lie that's got them there. And actually both of us have believed lies that have got us to wherever we are. Um, so we might vehemently disagree. Um, but it's because we're, we're human beings who are susceptible to untruths, right? And when we see other people as human beings who are susceptible to untruths, then we come with grace and mercy, um, understanding that that person's doing their best. You know, we had the conversation of whole group this morning. 99% of people are doing their best. They're not trying to just bring evil into the world, right? Um, so I'm quoting you. You can attribute that to John Micah. <laughs> Anybody else have thoughts on that? <laughs> I think we, we have to recognize that because God created us with free will, we have to let other people have free will too. And the, the government's important. There's definitely lines that need to be drawn, and there are things that should be criminal um, for sure. And we decide upon that as a majority. Um, it's, it's not the government's job to uphold the will of the Lord. That's silly. Okay, God is fully capable of upholding as much of his will as he feels like it um, in a moment. In fact, if he felt like what he needed America to do was obey the Ten Commandments, he could come down on a fiery horse and make us do it uh, right now, or, or however what other way he wanted to do it. Um, but the government serves a purpose, but the government is not God. Uh, the government is not God. The, the government is, is, is so minuscule in comparison 
um, to God that it is laughable. And so we don't need to give the government too much power. We don't need the government to be the enforcer of God's will. Um, and, and, and we need to, like you know, CJ said, look at the humanity of everyone. You know, right now it's so polarized. It's like anybody makes a mistake on any side of any issue, and it's like, let's bury that person. You know, that is not a Christian perspective. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm libertarian. I do not like Donald Trump, and I do not like Joe Biden. Um, I don't think either one of them are complete villains, and I don't think either one of them are completely right. I think they're human beings who do some smart things and some stupid things. And um, I think it's important that we, we, we kind of keep that in mind. Listen, in life, most people are not villains, okay? Most people have a good reason for doing what they're doing, even if it's not what you think they should be doing. And you got to slow down enough to realize that and to listen to other people. And at the end of the day, say, I disagree with that, but I understand where you're coming from. And it's also my right as an American, because I am a proud American, um, to vote what I believe, and I will vote what I believe, and other people should vote what they believe. Um, but I, we don't expect the government to uphold the will of the Lord. That's not what the government is here for. And, um, and God is bigger. Time for one more question. If anybody's got one more question, if not, we'll close in prayer and worship. Are we singing another song? Sweet, we are. Awesome. Uh, yeah, anybody got one more question? Going once. Going twice. I clicked my mic off. Um, well, let's pray. Um, Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity to have this conversation. Um, I thank you for um, the wisdom of the people on this panel. Um, and I thank you for the honest questions here in the room. And God, I ask once again that your Holy Spirit would empower us with discernment to, um, to take what's from you and to apply it to our hearts. Um, God, as we continue to wrestle, as we continue to ask tough questions, um, convict us to do that in community with your people. As iron sharpens iron, so one of us sharpens the other. Let us wrestle with these questions together and be formed into your likeness, Jesus. We love you. Amen.